Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We are launching into a new series for this month, and it's called Manger King. And we're going to be talking about King Jesus. We're not going to be... Every, every December, I try to look at the Christmas narrative differently. Because if you've grown up in church, you've heard the same messages the same way over and over and over again. And sometimes we can lose the significance of the Christmas miracle, Jesus Christ himself. And so what, what we try to do over the course of the last um, four and a half years is let's look at Christmas differently. Let's, let's pull out things that we don't normally talk about on Christmas. And so I'm going to do that this year by not talking about Christmas. Oh, you got to be joking. That guy's, we're in the month of December, and he's not even going to talk about, yeah, that pastor. Who voted him in? You guys did. So I just want to remind you that. We are going to look at King Jesus, though, because I want us to understand the significance of what's going on here. Sometimes we can focus so much in the church. We can, we're really good at focusing on the birth of Jesus. We're really good at focusing on the resurrection of Jesus. The, the greatest miracle that's ever hit the planet is the resurrection of Jesus. The second greatest miracle that's ever hit the planet is the incarnation of Jesus, his birth. The greatest miracles ever. But we forget one aspect of King Jesus. He's coming back. He's coming back very soon. And he's not coming as a lamb to the slaughter. He's coming back with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth to make every knee bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And so this, and during this series, what we are going to look at, because another thing is, another thing is, we get so caught up on the Christmas and the resurrection at Christmas and Easter, which we should, that we also forget the whole reason that he stepped into humanity wasn't just to reconcile us so we can have a relationship with God. It was so he can restore all of creation to his kingdom. He didn't, he came the first time so we can step back the second time. And we, we so often focus on that first time. And I want to look at the second time. I want to look at the, the, the surroundings of the second time. Because he came in a manger the first time so he can come on a horse the second time. And, and, and so in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the, the rapture and the tribulation. We're going to talk about our blessed hope, which is the, the 1,000 reign of Jesus Christ. And we are going to talk about the final judgment seat. But today, what we're going to talk about is Christ's superiority over all things. He's superior over all things. Because in order to understand, because sometimes we get that Ricky Bobby syndrome in our head. Oh, dear Lord, baby Jesus. We get that going on in our head. And we forget that he is a conquering king. He's, he's, not, 
He's not a, a, a meek man walking the earth anymore. He is sitting on a throne in heaven with all power and authority at his fingertips, in his mouth. And so I want to look at King Jesus today. Let's look at what his first incarnation did so we can focus on the second time he steps foot because he's stepping foot very soon on this planet again in a physical body. He's going to split open the eastern sky and every tongue will confess. Every, every mouth will declare that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's just, it's going to happen. You can't help but look at what's happening in Israel. And I, I, I can't help but look at what's happening around the world. Wars and rumors of worlds, earthquakes in various places, famine over here, the, 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 the um, Euphrates River is drying up. All these prophecies are being fulfilled. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy written over 2,000 years ago. They're being fulfilled. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us to watch and wait for the coming of the Lord. We should be looking for his coming. He's coming soon. Prophecy after prophecy are being fulfilled. And if we're not ready, we won't go. And I want you to be ready. I want you to be looking. I want you to lay down idols in your life so Jesus is king of your life. Because if you have other idols in your life, if you're not serving Jesus, you're not going to go. But Jesus wants you to be reconciled to him. So with all that said, i got to tell you a joke. Um, whew, last week, man, we skipped a joke, and I, 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 I knew that all of you guys were missing it. I just felt it. Like Miss Ada was like, oh, why didn't you tell me a joke? So um, there is this, uh, this man and woman, they were married for like 50 years. And... Um, they just had the happiest marriage. Just like, they were just so happy. And like, everyone who knew them, like, they were just blown away of how much joy was in this marriage to the point where, you know, like, when people are married 50 years, that's a big deal. Especially in a culture that doesn't celebrate marriage and wants to dismantle marriage, and the enemy's actively trying to destroy marriage. So when you, when you see a couple, it's kind of like, wow, that's amazing, 50 years of marriage, and they're just so happy and so the local newspaper wanted to do a story on him and the the um the not investigator but the reporter walked up and he said asked the husband he said what's the secret to such a happy marriage he's like how did you guys like it's been i've heard rumors that you guys have never had a fight that you've never you like you just live in peace and unity like what's your secret why is it so why is your marriage so happy and the guy sat there, he's like, I, I, I could tell you exactly when our marriage became happy, like that. He said, we were on our honeymoon. We, we took a honeymoon down to South America, and we were on this horse ranch down there, and we were riding horses. And he, he said, I remember it like yesterday. My horse was so amazing. It was so nice. It was so calm. Like, the horse just did everything I wanted. He said, it was just a loving horse. But my wife's horse... Just, it was so mean. It was ornery. It would try to run her into branches. It would buck her off. And uh, he said, I remember, like, um, we were riding along this trail through Costa Rica, and it was so beautiful. The rainforest was so beautiful. And all of a sudden, this horse bucked my wife off. She got off, and she's like, to her credit, she kept her composure. She didn't cry. She didn't yell. She just walked up, patted the horse on the side, and said, that's one. And he thought, wow, she's handled that amazing. She got back up on the horse, and they kept riding. About an hour later, 
The horse bucked her off again. Same thing, kept her composure. She was so chill. And, and, and he, she patted the horse and said, that's two. And, and he's like, what? Wow. Well, 30 minutes go by. And they're almost done with this ride. The horse bucks her off again. And she looked at the horse and said, that's three. And she reached into her purse and pulled out a gun and killed the horse dead. And he said, I remember. He said, I, I screamed at my wife and I said, what are you doing? That's not our horse. We're going to have to pay for it. You can't just murder an animal. And she calmly turned and looked at me and said, that's one. And from that point on, we have not had a fight. We've not had a disagreement. Not had. Yeah. I think I'm at two. <laughs> so... Oh, man, we are. I'm excited. What a year. What a year 2023 has been. Isn't it weird that we're in December? Yeah, it, it, it is so weird. I feel like this year has flown by, and, um, but it's so cool to see what God has done. Last week, we talked about how I want, I challenged the church last week to use the month of December to thank the Lord for what he's about to do in 2024. We're going to take the land. We're going to take the land. And we're going to move forward. And I feel like 2023 has been a year of us crossing the Jordan. But we're about to take the land. God has plans for each and every one of us. God has a purpose. He wants us to step into it. And he has a plan for this church. He wants us to take the land. There's a reason why there's an influx of people from all over the world, especially California, which is kind of like all over the world. Um, so there's a reason. Because he wants us to take the land. He wants us to give them the gospel. He's bringing people to us to give the gospel to. And so my challenge from last week, and I still challenge you this, this I'm going to remind you, because some of you guys weren't here, is thank the Lord this month for what he's about to do. Thank him for what he's about to do in your life personally. Thank him for what he's about to do in your life. Um, uh, thank him for what he's about to do in, in C1 Church. Thank him. Thank him before. Because if you thank God after, if you thank God after, it's gratitude. If you thank God before, it's faith. So let's pray in faith. Let's thank God before. With that said, I want to I talk about King Jesus. King Jesus, and, uh, and he, he came the first time as a baby through the, through the womb of a virgin, born into a feeding trough. He could have he had majesty. He could have had all that. He chose, he didn't choose that. He chose meekness over majesty. He, he chose to come and to do exactly what the Father wanted him to do, which is re to reconcile us to God. To make a way of salvation but he's not he's not a baby anymore he's not walking around this earth anymore in a physical body he is through the church because we're his body but like him being in one place at one time he sent his Holy Spirit now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority in his hands and and very soon, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And I want you to understand the significance of this. Right now, we are, we are in a grace period where you have a choice. 
Like, this is so mind-blowing. I don't know if you guys ever really thought about this, but Jesus died, not even for the guarantee that you would choose to serve him. He died to give you an option. He died to give you a choice that you could choose to serve him. That's how much he loves you. He's not forcing you to serve him. But let me tell you, there's a difference between bowing now to Jesus and then bowing later to Jesus. Because right now you have a choice to bow before Jesus and declare him as Lord. And when you do that now as your choice with free will, you get what the Bible says is born again. And then suddenly we get to be put into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light and we get eternity with him in heaven. But if we wait until he forces us to bow before him, because you will bow before God. If you wait until he forces you to bow before Jesus and declare with your mouth that he is Lord, you will have eternal separation from God. Some of us have things in our life that are set, stepping in between and he's trying to keep you from declaring. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes through the Father. Jesus is the only means of salvation. And you have got to declare him Lord. Do it now because you have, a, you have an option. Soon you won't have an option. So I want to lay the framework for what we're going to look at this month. We're going to look at the, the churchy term, the theological term, it's called eschatology. It means the study of the end times. And we're going to look at a few scriptures today that showed the overflow of the incarnation of Christ. The first set of scriptures is found in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. And he's talking about Jesus and what he did during the incarnation. Like, I, I, sometimes we think like, oh, Jesus came into existence at the incarnation when he was born. No, Jesus was eternal for eternity past. He was God. He spoke. He's, he's the word of God. So when God the Father said, let there be light, it was Jesus that sprung into action that created light. When God said, let the mountains separate from the sea, it was Jesus that sprung into action that separated the mountains from the sea. Jesus is the action of God. And so he's eternal. He is God. And so, but th that's why the significance of, of, of the incarnation is mind-blowing because God himself stepped and lowered himself to us. How low is that? He, went, he was omnipotent. That means he was, had all power. He was omniscient. That means he, um, he was, he was all-knowing. He knew everything, and he was omnipresent. He was everywhere at once, and then he stepped into humanity, and he made himself limited. He lowered himself. So in Philippians chapter 2, this is the, the apostle Paul here. He captures what Christ did, and he actually says, have this, this same attitude in your lives. And what he's telling, he's telling the church here, it's really cool. He's saying, if you're having a hard time with humility, I want you to look at Jesus. And so we're going to look at Jesus real quick. And he says, have this same attitude. We're, I'm reading out the Amplified Version because I love it. It's like reading a, a word study at the same time. He says, have the same attitude in yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Who... Although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, that's omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence, 
the entire nature of deity. He was God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. But he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant. Some translations say slave. And being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but also without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, also because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Like, I'm telling you, at the name of Jesus, things change. At the name of Jesus, hell trembles. At the name of Jesus, man, when we pray in the name of Jesus, things happen. Man, I, I can't tell you. It, there, there, there are so many times where I was, I was confronted with a demon inside someone, and he said, you have no authority. And I said, you're right. I don't have any authority. But in the name of Jesus, come out. And guess what? That demon came out. Because the name of Jesus has authority and power over all things. Of course, the enemy is a liar because the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me. You do have authority. <laughs> but the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus heals the sick. The name of Jesus moves mountains. Man, the name of Jesus makes things show up. It's the name of Jesus. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess openly and acknowledge that Christ Jesus is Lord, sovereign God to the glory of the Father. He is God. He is almighty. He is reigning king. He's so powerful that just his name alone, Jesus, moves and changes the environment. Changes, it changes things. Jesus. Man, there are videos on YouTube, I love it, where, where people are getting robbed. And there's one lady, I think she's down in Texas. Of course she's in Texas, but... Um, like she's getting robbed at like her little store and she starts praying in tongues and starts saying in the name of Jesus I rebuke this and the person stopped like he's holding a gun to her and he's like oh my gosh oh my gosh and he drops the gun and runs out all she had was the name of Jesus and prayer and the Holy Spirit the name of Jesus he's, he's, he's God to the point where Jesus he, the scariest verse in the whole Bible says but I prophesied in your name and I healed in your name Jesus will say, away from you, I, I never knew you, to the point where people that don't even have a relationship with God can use the name of Jesus and lay hands on the sick and they'll get healed. They can prophesy in the name of Jesus and the prophecy be from God. Because the name of Jesus is powerful. Then, in first, uh, uh, not first Corinthians, Colossians, Colossians chapter one, I'm going to read verse 9 through 23 and this is such a beautiful section of scripture and it further 
cements what we all know that Jesus is king of all. He is, he is God almighty. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only means of salvation. All roads don't lead to Rome. Only Jesus leads to heaven and to salvation. And it says this, starting in verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom with insight into his purpose and an understanding of spiritual things. That's what Paul is praying for the Colossi church because he wants them to have wisdom and to operate in the gifts of the Spirit so they can understand the significance of their relationship with Jesus. So let's keep going. Verse 10. Or I will read it from my iPad. That's fine. Oh, cool. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity to fully please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God with deeper faith, clear insight, and fervent love for his precepts. Guys, I, I, I feel like I need to say this. You can't serve God and other things at the same time. Jesus is all you need in this life. You don't need anything else. The Apostle Paul tells us to grow in our knowledge of Christ not in knowledge of other things. I was actually just talking to someone this week, and um, they asked me to pray um, over um, their marriage and different things. And in that conversation, they, they said that there's some stuff that they're doing that didn't honor the Lord. And, and, and I told them, I said, you guys need to make Jesus Lord of your life because if you're seeking out... They, 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 uh, sitting in on like seances and different things like that. I said, if you're seeking that stuff out, that new age stuff, it, it will lead to destruction in your life because you don't need any of that. You need Jesus and he will guard your life. He will lead your life. But the thing is with demonic spirits, they always promise something up front and they even might tell you something about yourself and they might, they might have intimate knowledge but it always leads to death because they, they, they always give more, they, they always take more than they give. They'll promise you this, but then they'll give you anxiety, depression, anger, and like, like there's so many things that it destroys in you. But if, and, and then it becomes an idol. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Jesus says, there, there's, there's no other name given amongst men by which you must be saved. It's only Jesus. So it's only by Jesus. So I, I say that to say, the Apostle Paul's telling you, walk in a, a manner worthy of the Lord. And he's saying, grow in him. Don't, don't let other things like, only God's word and Jesus is what grows you in God. And the Holy Spirit, like, you don't need other things to grow you. And it takes time. You're not going to just be spiritually mature. Maturity takes time. And so, let's keep going. We pray that you may be um, strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy. Let's keep going. 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people, in the light. For he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. This is, this is salvation. In whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice resulting in the forgiveness of our sins and the cancellation of our sins penalty. Come on, praise God. Isn't that amazing? When you put your faith in Jesus, he forgives your sin and cancels your penalty. Man, we deserve death, but he gives us life. He, and then, and then this, this is when he's really getting into it. He said, okay, I want you to understand what he did. He transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He transferred, you are born again. You are a new creation. You are not who you were. And here's why. Because Jesus is the exact image of the living, of the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign one, and the originator of all creation. This is the God we serve. This is Jesus who paid your penalty, who stepped into humanity. Let's keep going. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him. That is by his activity and for him. The only reason we exist today is because Christ allows it. We are in him, by him, for him. We don't exist to serve ourselves. We exist to serve and glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's God. You're not. I'm not. So quit trying to reign in your life like you're God. That's only going to lead to anxiety, depression. It's going to lead to sin. It's going to lead to destruction. When we make him Lord... The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When we make him king, when we make him Lord, when we put him in his proper spot, it changes our life. Because he's already there, you just aren't recognizing it if you're not born again. <laughs> Let's keep going. Oh, this is where we're at. And he himself existed, and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He, his is the controlling cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source, and the leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That's why when you put your faith in Jesus, you know, we throw this term around a lot. But when we put our faith in Jesus, the Bible says we are born again. We go from death to life. Death doesn't touch us. We, our physical bodies might die. The, these, these old shells might die, but we will live forever. Jesus says, whoever puts their faith in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So he's the firstborn. He's the first one to come back to life. And if he came back to life, you and I will come back to life. We will be resurrected because he's God. He's king. Jesus is supreme. He is also the head. He's the, he's, the, he's the leader of the church. I'm not the leader of the church. Pastor Andy's not the leader of the church. The Pope's not the leader of the church. Uh, he's the leader of the church. We submit to his will, his direction, his leadership. It's his kingdom. Go back, go back. Verse 18. So that he himself will occupy the first place, he will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. 
Let's keep going. For it pleased the Father, for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son, that is Jesus. And through the intervention of the Son, to reconcile all things to himself. You notice it didn't say reconcile people, reconcile all things. Sometimes we think that, oh, Jesus came to save us. He did, he did, but he wants to reconcile all things. That's why he's coming back again. His, second, his first coming was about our salvation. His second coming is about restoring the new heaven and new earth, setting up an eternal kingdom free from sin, death, anxiety, hell, the grave. He's coming back to set that kingdom up. And we got to be looking, watching, and waiting. The Son will reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of the, his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Let's keep going. And although you were at one time estranged and alienated and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in evil things, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless beyond reproach. You might not feel beyond reproach. You might still feel like a sinner, but if you confess Christ, you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you believe that he rose again, that you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, you ask him to forgive you, you are beyond reproach. The enemy has nothing on you because you are righteous before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will do this if you continue in faith, well-grounded. And you notice, you notice this. It's a process. You are beyond reproach when you're born again. But at the same time, it says, and he will do this. So you have to continue day in, day out to say, I'm going to lay down lesser things. I'm not going to worship anything else. I'm going to go to Jesus alone. He's my king. I'm going to choose this day whom I will serve. Every morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to choose this day whom I will serve. You can serve yourself or you can serve God. You can't serve both. You can serve your way or you can serve God's way. You can't serve both. So you got to choose day in and day out. I'm making Jesus king. I'm making Jesus Lord. I'm going to let him be king of all in my life. And he says he will do this if you continue in the faith. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Well grounded and steadfast and not shifting away from the confident hope that is a result of the gospel that you have heard which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which gospel I, the Apostle Paul, was made a minister. We have a hope in Jesus. We've got to keep placing our hope. There is no one else by which we must be saved. Jesus came not just to save us from sin, but to reconcile us to God and to make us just before God to restore creation without death and sin. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, actually it wasn't even Eve's sin, ever since Adam sinned and threw all creation into sin, God's goal has been to restore Eden. He wants to walk with us, uninhibited by sin. 
He's always wanted to be with his people. So Jesus, yeah, he died. He came and he lived for 33 years. 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry, for three hours of purpose on a cross that we might be reconciled to the Father. But that's not the end. He's coming back. So in this series, we're going to look at the rapture of the church. What is the rapture? The rapture, is a, it means calling away. One day Jesus is going to blow a trumpet. And everyone who is truly born again that has made Jesus Lord and worships him only will vanish from this earth. They will no longer be here. Right now, you, I, I, I promise you this is what's happening. Like, sometimes you have to have eyes that see. But right now, they're, what are they talking about? Have you ever, have you seen news articles that are mentioning aliens? I, I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out there. But they're mentioning aliens and how we've had kind of contact. Like, we're talking like Fox News and CNN, like big news organizations that used to blow this stuff up as like, is make-believe? Well, okay. This is just me spitballing, but I think it's pretty, I think there's pretty solid evidence because the enemy knows that Jesus is about to come back. The enemy knows prophecy better than we know prophecy. The enemy, he's able to read what Jesus said, look for these things before this, you know, like, he, he knows that Jesus is about to crack open that sky. He knows he's about to rapture his church. And so the enemy is trying to, even now, sow seeds of a story that the remaining populace can hear. And they're like, oh, wow, aliens abducted people. I'm not saying it's going to be aliens, but they're going to have to have a story of why a billion-plus people are vanished off the earth. You, uh, the enemy knows how to sow seeds. Like, what is he? He's the father of... And then the, what's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to step in and he's going to make it believable. He's going to be a charismatic guy. He's, he's going to be able to, like, oh, yeah. And he's going to say things and he's going to bring peace to the earth for three and a half years. He's going to make a con. He's going to make a peace treaty between Israel and the Middle East that no other leader's been able to do. And he's going to do it. And it's going to be believable. And, like, you're going to be like, wow, this is amazing. And then three and a half years in, three and a half years in, he's going to break that peace treaty. All the while, though, here's the cool part. All the while, God's going to send two prophets down, and all they're going to do is preach the gospel, and no one's going to be able to kill them. They're going to try to kill them. They're going to be so mad that Antichrist is going to be ticked. They're going to keep trying to kill them. And these prophets are going to be at the Temple Mount, where they're going to re rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And get this, the temple has to be built, because Antichrist sets up an image in, in the temple. So so guess what? what? Guess what they're doing right now in, in, in Israel? They've gathered everything they need to build the temple. They have everything. They're just waiting for the calves, the, the calves that they're going to sacrifice to be mature. Yeah. So, like, it's all, it, it, Jesus is about to rapture his church, and then he's going to send down these two prophets. We don't know who they are. Some people think it's Elijah and Moses. Some people think it's, it's Elijah and um, the guy from Genesis. I forgot his name. Enoch and so but we don't know but we, we do know this they're going to three and a half years of preaching the gospel and then the whole world is going to see these guys die no other time in human history can the whole world see something at an instant but guess what we can do right now I can get on news right now and see stuff from around the world live the whole world is going to first time in human history you have this availability and then it says the whole world will be sending each other gifts 
The first time in human history we can do that. Yesterday I forgot my wallet. I was able to text message money to Andy because he took my bill. I should have just said, oh, I'll get it to you tomorrow. But I conveniently forgot my wallet. I invited him to lunch. I'm telling you, it works every time. No, no um, we can send each other gifts. Like, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. And the, the church is going to be gone. They're going to make sense of it. And then, dude, there's the, God is going to send plagues. He's going to send, uh, it's going to be bad. The sun's going to boil people's skin. It's not going to be good. And the Bible says, if it wasn't for God's mercy, no one would have lived. But he shortens those days. Seven years of tribulation. There's the tribulation, then the great tribulation. The whole world's going to gather against Israel. And God's going to step in. Then we're going to talk about the blessed hope at the end of the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, those seven years, Jesus, that's when the second coming, the rapture is not the second coming because Jesus never steps foot on the earth. But then the second coming of Jesus is when he cracks open the eastern skies and he steps down on the Mount of Olives and he walks to Jerusalem and he sets up his kingdom. And it's going to be a thousand years like, the reason why it's a thousand years, I, I, I don't know why it's a thousand years, but here's my guess, is no nation, no empire, no, the, the, the lifespan on an empire is only about 400 years, and then it crumbles. So the United States, we have about 100 years left. And we can, you can already see the decline in our, our nation. Like, no, no, the strongest empires in the world have never lasted more than 400, 450 years but Jesus is going to more than double that and show you how to reign supreme. That's, that's what he's going to do. He's going to reign perfectly on earth, physically on earth for a thousand years. And then, and then, he's going to destroy everything. He's going to burn it up. And he's going to restart. And that's when we'll be judged people who do not confess Christ are going to stand before a great white throne and they're going to ask what they did and they're going to give their best excuses, they're going to give everything and none of it's going to be good enough you're going to be judged for your action based on your action and you can't keep it and then you're going to be sent to hell forever and then there's going to be a judgment for saints too it's not the great white throne judgment but there's a judgment for saints for people who have confessed Christ, who are born again, you're going to stand before God. And the only case that you have is, I plead Jesus. But he's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? And based on what you say, and based on what you did with the gospel of Jesus, while you're living right now, is, 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 determines whether you get into heaven by the skin of Jesus' pants, or you get into heaven with crowns to lay down at his feet. Like, I want everyone in heaven, but I don't want us to be a, a bench-warmer Christian. I don't want us to just get into heaven by the... Like, the Bible says they will make it as one who jumps through fire. If you're like... And here's the thing. Some people think they're a Christian, but they don't, they're, they're ashamed to tell people they're a Christian. You're not a Christian. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my name, I'll be ashamed of you. Like, I, 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 I'm, I know that's heavy... But that's the reality. I want you guys to have loads of 
of, of crowns to lay at Jesus' feet. So share the gospel. Serve one another in unity and love. That's how you do it. There are people here that you guys would never know that they serve on a team, but they have the most biggest servant's hearts ever, and they do things that you guys will never see. And I tell you, and they're going to be the ones that are going to have a, a dump truck full of crowns, and I'm going to say, God, please let me stand behind them because I don't want them to see how little my crowns are. Because I, I, I don't get crowns for preaching the gospel up on this stage. It's public. I get, I get credit right now. But it's, it's what you do when you don't get credit that builds up crowns. It's what you do, not for yourself, but for his glory that gets, that gets crowns to lay at his feet. So we're going to talk about the judgment seat of God. So I, I, want, I want us to look at this because that's why he came the first time. That's why he stepped into humanity. It wasn't just to save us so we can go through life. It's so he can set up an eternity for us so we can we could be with him. So today, though, I want I want to hit I want to give you a couple. I just, I want I do want to give you a couple things. I have ten, maybe maybe an hour and a half, two more hours. I'm I'm I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm I'm joking. It's three hours. Um. But because Jesus reigns, because Jesus reigns, I want to hit a couple things real quick. Because Jesus reigns, we get to be reconciled. We get to be reconciled. Now, that is a kind of an interesting term. How many of you guys have heard the term reconciliation? Now, the Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is actually a mathematical term. Because, like, whenever, like... Um, Phil, every month, he messages me like, hey, um, do you have the, like, I have to turn in receipts for stuff I spend, and he has to reconcile our books. Every month, reconciliation is a mathematical term. It means put in the right category. So, like, you know, he sees this charge, oh, that needs to be put into the kids' department. Oh, I see this charge, that needs to be put into Andy's department. Actually, I give everything Andy's department so I can just blow his budget. Um, So, (laughs) I'm just joking, but like it needs to be reconciled. Hey, this needs to be put into this department. That's what it means to be put into the right category. And the reason why we have to be reconciled to God is the right category. When God looks at you, the right category for you to him is son or daughter. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be a son of God or a daughter of God. That's the right category. He, he wants you to accept your spiritual identity in him. But the only way to be reconciled to God is through faith in Jesus. You might say, well, I'm a son or daughter of God. But if you never confess Christ, you're not. He wants you to be. He wants you to be a son or daughter of God, but you're not. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. It says, For God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. If you think, well, Islam, Judaism, um, Hinduism, Spiritism, New Age, they, that, they'll all save me. No, they won't. There's no alternative. But Jesus, 
He's the only form of salvation. And, 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 and so sometimes we, um, it, it, it's so interesting because all those other religions I just mentioned, they mention Jesus. They, they talk about, oh, he is a way. He is a way. Islam even call the Quran calls Jesus the son of God. Judaism points to the Son of God. They, they say he is a way. Hinduism says he is a way. He's just one of thousands of gods. New Age says he is a way. Mysticism says he is a way. We call that pluralism in theology because it's like multiple gods, multiple gods. He's a way. Naturalist, you know, everything is God. Jesus is a way to heaven. He's a way to the afterlife. He's a way to all. He's, he, it's so interesting if all these other things say he is a way, but then Jesus himself turns around and says, I am the way. Jesus doesn't give credit to any other place. He doesn't give credit to any other thing because he knows he's the truth. The enemy, the enemy wants you to believe he might be a way, but he's not the only way because the enemy's a liar and he wants you to put faith in something that's not real. But Jesus cares enough for you to tell you there is no other way i'm the only way of salvation there's not an alternative plan god bankrupt heaven to give you the option of becoming born again jesus is not one of many ways to god another thing because jesus reigns we can be holy and blameless that is mind-blowing we are not holy and blameless. We are full of sin, but it's called the great exchange. That's, that is, if you, I'm, I'm giving you guys a seminary lesson. Like, the great exchange is God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we in Christ might become the righteousness of God. So what happens is God took all of our sin, all of our blame, and put it on eternal God, fully God, fully man, Jesus. He put it all on him. And he took all that right standing, the righteousness, the holiness, the blamelessness, and he took it off of Jesus, and he dumped it on us. And all we have to do to receive it is believe that Jesus is the, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, and confess before him. That's it. Jesus, to give us that, had to go to the cross. To live a life that we can never live, sinless, faultless, perfect, die the death that we deserve, and then he declared, I'm going to raise again. Do something that we can never do. Come back to life. Because he reigns supreme, we can be holy and blameless. It's him that sustains our salvation. It's not you. If keeping the law couldn't make you righteous, breaking the law doesn't make you unrighteous. It's all on him. It's all by him. It's all through him. Your salvation is him. The, the, the next thing is, because Jesus reigns, we get peace with God, and we get the peace of God. And we need to know the difference. Peace with God is happens upon reconciliation did, did you notice what it said here let me let's see if i can find it it says all and in verse 21 and although you were one time estranged and alienated and hostile minded 
to God. Some translations say you were once enemies of God. You were at war. If you were not born again, you might say, well, I, I'm not at war with God. I love God. If you don't, if you don't lo- have Jesus in your life, you don't love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you follow my commands. That's just the reality of, 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 of salvation. And, and, and the only way to truly love God is to make Jesus order your life. You can't say you love God and then hate people. You can't say you love God and have hostility. And the Bible says we were enemies of God. If you're not born again, you are enemies of God. Not because God wants to be your enemy. It's just because there's only two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. Like, well, I'm a good person. But if you're not born again, you're in Satan's kingdom. Hey, that, that's, and, and you're going to hell. Well, I'm a moral person. I don't lie, cheat, or steal. Praise God. That's awesome. That's God's character flowing out of you because you're made in the image of God, but you still have to be born again. That's just the reality of our, our existence. So we have to have peace with God. Some of us don't have peace with God, but we want the peace of God. The peace of God happens when you be born again. You don't get the peace of God until you have peace with God. It's just, it's the, the peace of God is the overflow of a relationship with God. God might temporarily step in and bring peace, but it's not going to rest on you until you're born again. You need peace with God, then you get the peace of God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. The Bible says, don't be anxious for anything, but everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which transcends understanding, that's what it says, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You want peace? Make peace. Some of us might be holding on to things in our life that are, we might be born again, but we're still, we don't have the peace of God because we're still listening to the wrong voice. The enemy knows how to disrupt peace in your life. That's what he wants. To, he, what does the Bible say, John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. Um, this morning, I, I actually, I'm going to show you what, I'm going to show you real quick with a snapshot of what the peace of God looks like. My kids, Papa Keith and Gigi, um, they're like grandparents to them. They're actually, my kids are closer to these, these people than they are their own grandparents because when we were youth pastors, these, they just adopted my kids. They would come kidnap my kids so Amy and I could have a date night every now and then. And so, actually, every week. It was amazing. And, uh, but Papa Keith, I got a call Friday afternoon that Papa Keith had a heart attack. And so we sent out a text message. You guys prayed. And they rushed him to a big hospital in Columbia, Missouri. And three doctors said that he had a heart attack. And they got there. His number started to drop. And they said, we don't think you had a heart attack. Well, that's after the church is praying. And then they took and looked into his heart. And talk about how God's, God's will works is this happened so they could discover one of his arteries was 95% blocked. Didn't have a heart attack, but it was close. And so we prayed, and, um, and as they were talking with him, and they said, hey, listen, we have to go in through your wrist, we have to go into your heart, we have to do all this. And, and I was talking to him this morning, like at, I think it was 6.30. He, 
he told him, he said, he said, I understand the risk, but I'm born again. I love Jesus, and God knows where to find me. I'm ready to go. And that's what the peace of God looks like. Like, anytime you stick something in someone's heart that's not supposed to be there, there's a risk of death. But he wasn't even afraid of death. Even I was talking to his wife. Um, my kids call her Gigi. And she said, we're good. That's the peace of God. Praise God that the operation took 20 minutes. No heart attack. They did have to put a catheter in. but Or, no, a stent, stent, that one. A catheter. That would be a weird surgery. <laughs> I'm going to have to send him this clip now. Um, <laughs> we put a catheter in through we, ma- means of your heart. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but they, that's the peace of God, though. To, to, to face an operation that could lead to death, I mean, it is simple, but the, the risk, he's like, hey, I know, I know where, who I am. I know where I'm going. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a tool. I love to give tools to the church. Um, take your phone out. Take a picture of it because it's going to take forever to write it down. But this is a way to discern whether you're listening to God's voice or whether you're listening to the enemy's voice. Let me get out of the way. You guys are going to have a bunch of pictures of me. God's voice. That because Jesus reigns, we can have peace with God and we can have the peace of God. But when God speaks to us, this is what he does. He brings peace. He's the prince of peace. He stills you. He leads you. He reassures you, hey, I'm with you. I'm not forsaking you. Um, he enlightens you. Like He gives you wisdom to... to, to to govern things. He gives you, he gives you knowledge. He, he helps you. He encourages you. Hey, don't give up. Keep going. He comforts you. Hey, I'm with you. He calms you. Well, let's just step back for a moment. Take a breath. And then he convicts you. Conviction is one of the most loving things God does. And sometimes we get it confused because the enemy's counter to conviction is con- condemnation. Conviction is when God convicts you over unconfessed sin. Condemnation is when the enemy, he, he takes and condemns you over already confessed sin. He makes you feel guilty for things you've already given to God. God, on the other hand, he will convict you and make you feel guilty over things that you need to give to him. Because he doesn't want you to carry him any longer. He wants you to be free from the power of sin and death. And so the enemy's voice, and, you know, I never capitalize Satan. He's not even worth a capital letter. Um, he brings fear. And, and, and here, I'm going to give you something with fear real quick. Fear always runs to worst-case scenario. I've given you guys this before, but fear always runs to worst-case scenario. Like, if, if you're wondering, is this fear talking to me? If, if you feel something, all of a sudden you go to worst case scenario, that's fear. For instance, when I got the call that Papa Keith had a heart attack, instantly I thought, I can't preach this funeral. I was thinking about a funeral. And I had to stop myself. I said, no, that's not from God. I bind that thought. God is bigger than a heart attack. We prayed for hearts before and God's restored them. I'm going to pray in faith that God's going to heal this man's heart. And so I had to step 
through fear to walk in faith in my prayer life. So worst case scenario, fear always runs the worst case scenario. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, new, new parents, your kid gets a sniffle. Oh my gosh. You know, instantly, worst case scenario. I, 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 I've been there. We called our doctor when our, our daughter was like three months old. We called him at like 1 a.m. in the morning. And we're like, she sounds like a pterodactyl had a baby with a Tyrannosaurus Rex. What's going on? And he goes, is she blue? No, she's fine. I hung up. Like, like it was... But we, like, we, like we, worst case scenario, because she was like, you know, like, what is, like, babies make weird noises. Fear runs the worst case scenario. Fear always results in anxiety and leads to depression. If you're an anxious person, my question is, what do you need to trust God with? I'm not saying that anxiety, like, anxiety happens. But when we have the Prince of Peace, God Almighty, that says, I'm going to give you peace. Why will we not trust him and lean into that? Fear always leads to anxiety. When you meditate on fear, you're going to get anxious. Oh, what, will, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that, I mean, and then it leads to depression. Oh, I can't handle this. You probably can't. That's why Jesus made a way. That's why Jesus is the truth. That's why Jesus is, he's there to walk with you. He, did, he never said you had to carry it on your own. Fear always leads to anxiety and, re, and, and re, results in anxiety and leads to depression. Fear always rushes you into things. Fear, the enemy likes to make you make snappy decisions. You need to, you need to hurry. Oh man, this is like, and the enemy does this. I mean, he, the world is like this. How many times have you, you, you've walked into a, a pushy salesperson? They're playing on your fears. Oh, you're going to miss this deal. Like, but that's, guess what? They operate in the kingdom of darkness. That, that's, they're like, I'm not saying celtastic are demonic, but sometimes celtastics are demonic. And like, if, 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 if a person's pushing me into making a decision I'm not ready to make for, I'm going to say, ma'am or sir, I'm done with this conversation. Peace out. I don't like to be pushed into making decisions. Because I know I'm doing it out of fear. I'm not, I'm not making a decision based in faith. Fear um, always makes you not see God's options. That, that's, that like, God, God will present you options. Fear will just take and only make you see one possibility. Instead of, if you just step back, like, like, enlightens you, God's voice enlightens you, you just step back and just be still for a moment, you'll be saying, oh, okay, this is, this is not that big a deal, I can breathe, but that's, the enemy's voice brings fear, the enemy's voice rushes you, the enemy's voice frightens you, it, it frightens you, the enemy's voice confuses you, have you guys ever, like, you're like, I don't, I don't even know what to do, Oh man, I'm 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 stuck. I'm I, 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 you're just completely confused about a situation. When you feel that way, stop and pray in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of confusion. Because that's not what God does. God brings clarity. God brings wisdom. God brings direction. The enemy doesn't want you to see the will of God in a situation. He wants you to stay confused. He wants you to be like indecisive about all things. The enemy's voice discourages you. How many times have you done something like, God, oh, you idiot? That's not God. That might be you, or it could be you influenced by the enemy, because you're not an idiot. 
You might have done something that's idiotic. Praise God, I camp there. But that's not who I am. I'm just very familiar with the process. It discourages you. The enemy's voice worries you. It worries. It's, you're, you're constantly thinking. The Bible says don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But it's the opposite. The enemy's voice obsesses you. Have you guys ever just been assessed over something? You can't get out of your head. You can't get out of your heart. And you're just, oh, what will this, what if this happens? What if that happens? What, and just, just chill. Be still. The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And the enemy's voice condemns you. You call yourself a son of God. Look, look at that sin you just committed. Oh, oh yeah, you just flew the bird at that person in traffic. Oh, you're not a Christian. You're such a hypocrite. Oh, I can't believe you thought that word. I can't believe you said that word. Oh, I can't believe you looked at that on your phone. I can't, you are such, I can't believe you thought. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation. Should we do those things? Absolutely not. But we don't have to feel the way the enemy, because even though he might make us feel that way, the truth is, if you are born again, you are a new creation in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't operate in condemnation. He doesn't speak to us through condemnation. Not now, not ever. If you feel condemned, that's not from the Lord. If you feel convicted, that is from the Lord. And the conviction sounds like, come on, give it to me. I don't want you to carry it anymore. You know you need to give that up. You know you, don't, you need to stop that because I love you. Conviction is motivated by the love of God for us. Condemnation is motivated by the hate of the enemy for us. There are some here today that you need to be reconciled to the Lord right now. You need to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to read this again. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. For God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. God wants to reconcile us to him. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to put you in the right category of son or daughter. That's how he sees you, but he can't embrace you as that until you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he rose from the grave. Then you are saved. There are some here today that Jesus is Lord, but you aren't letting his peace reign in you. You're a worry worm. You have peace with God, but you don't have the peace of God. God's saying, man, I, I got peace. The past is understanding. I want to give you peace. Jesus is king and he reigns supreme. As we walk through this Christmas season, let's look at Jesus as a soon-coming king. Let's look at Jesus. Let's posture our hearts and cry out, Lord Jesus, come. But if you're here, let's stand. Let's stand. 
you're here today and you need reconciliation, you need to give your heart to Jesus. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, I'm going to be right down here. My wife's going to be right down here. And we want to pray with you. We want to lead you to the Lord. Don't let fear, this is what fear will say. This is, this is literally what is going to go on in your head. Don't go down there. These people will judge you. They're going to think different of you. They're going to have all these opinions of you. That's what, that's what fear is going to say. But what the Lord is going to say, what the Holy Spirit is currently saying, he's saying, come on. God, God's never forceful. He's just, he'll, 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 he'll come at you and put this passing thought. Just go up front. I'm here. Just step out. Come on. And I can promise you this, the first step is the hardest. But then they get easier. We're going to be right, I'm going to be right here. My wife's going to be right here. We want to lead you to Jesus. He wants to pray with you. He, he, he wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you more than you can ever want a relationship with him. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, I have salvation, but I, I have not been letting peace reign in my heart. I've not been letting peace reign in my heart. I need to let peace reign in me. And um, we want to pray with you too. We, we want to pray because God wants peace to reign in you. God wants you to listen to him. 